All right, well, um, welcome to a slightly different version of the podcast this week. Oh, yeah. uh, sitting here with uh, Mr. Timothy Miles. What's up? Uh, we're sitting outside on a beautiful day. and St. Um, Patty's Day. Yes, sir. We're going to do something a little different. Um, I'm going to dub these the listening sessions. Um, and I'm making this up as I go, so throw some ideas out there, Tim. Okay. But here's what I'm feeling. I okay. think we should sit here on this beautiful day. Uh, listen to some music and talk about songs and talk about songwriting because you're a songwriter. I am. That's I am you a do. songwriter. You Session, write songs. Seasoned songwriter. Yes. If I may say so myself. I'll How many songs have you written? Uh, that's a good question. Um, the ones I play, I, I have over, if I was to give it like a time frame, I'd probably, if I did all the songs I've written, I'd probably have over five hours of material. But I only Damn. play about two and a half of those. So... It probably more realistically probably just two hours, but like I've been writing for the past seven eight years, and it's just uh, it's just, uh, it's just a great way to live so you got, life. You got some active. tunes. You got some tunes. Got some and very tunes. appropriately, you're holding a guitar right now. Yes, I dig. I dig. I saw the strat. I saw the Telecaster in your room, and I said, "Man, I just gotta hold it. I just I, gotta hold I, it." I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. So you're gonna be hearing uh, a very either in tune. Or out of tune guitar. I don't even know if that'll pick that up, but probably won't. But so here's what I think we should do. Let's um, let's so do this pull, like this. Let's, Spotify. Let's. Well, I'm gonna pull it up on my phone since we're using my laptop to record here, and let's do this. Let's do. do, uh, do any, like, you um. Bluetooth speakers. No, but here's my thing: is we're. I think we're gonna do this. Each of us are gonna bring an album. Okay. Forth, and we're just gonna. We don't have to listen to the whole thing. Right. But you bring an album that's relevant to you right now, and I'll bring an album forth. I will listen to it, and for the sake of time on this podcast, I'm going to cut the actual listening part out for the yeah. sake of time. And then let's just talk about why we're why we're digging that right now. Okay. So do you want to go first what? or do you want me to go first? Uh, I, I'll go first. All right. You want to go first? So Take is, time. This, is this an album that I've been just like – Yeah, like an album that like you dig or you've been jamming on recently or something that speaks to you. Man. I figured we could just talk about some songs today. Talk an, about some an songs. An album that I've been – and I just cannot get a, cannot just get out of my ear. It's it's been the deepest earbug I've had in a very long time, and it's 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 music that I haven't really, uh, I've recently adjusted myself to, and I could call it I call I would call it like neo. It might get it picked up. Yeah, you're good. Um, it's music that I I I'm getting more familiar to and adopting a little more in my own writing. In artistry, but it's it's childish Gambino's uh, <laughs> "Awaken My Love." I will be honest with you; I did not see that coming, dude. I mean, All right, like, so wait, what's so the artist is childish Gambino? I'm saying yes. this for the sake of the people listening, in case they want to look it up. Artist is childish Gambino. The album is "Awaken, Comma My Love." And if I were only going to listen to one song on that album, which <sighs> song would it be? I would say, oh, oh man, I would say listen to "Have Some Love." Okay. Uh, or no 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 me the 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 beginning song me and your mama listen to me <laughs> and your mama that is just like the epitome because you know I was talking with I was talking with one of my friends who I work with at the lighting company and he's been writing songs he's a lot older than I am he's like man I haven't heard something that makes me and I'm he's like Americana dude he's like yeah. I haven't made, heard something that makes me go what the hell is this <laughs> in a long yeah. long time and the really cool thing about this album in a production standpoint is that all the songs 
a good majority of the songs, especially the single Redbone, mm-hmm. that is, it's in between, let's see if we can get this down. So when you hear it, it's in between D and E flat. <laughs> it is in between this. So it's a, it's a, it's a I, I don't know the, the, the supersonic or subsonic yeah. uh, tone in between D and E flat. And that's why that song sticks out so much because its tonal center is not it's not, not what we're used to. It's not what we're used to, but we it's still very familiar. How did you figure that out? Because I tried playing it one day, and because you know, like those old records, you know, it's all those old Bob Marley records, old CCR records. Yeah. When you try to play them, you're gonna play them out of tune because they're tuned to themselves. Huh. So they used they used the the technology and for the wake recording, they used uh, the technology there to adjust the tonal center, the center, you know, A four forty. Yeah. Um. To just a little, little lower than that, so it was in between. So it was in between D and E flat for this one song, um, and that's, that's super. Bizarre. And that makes the song stick out even more. Yeah, um, I, I know the song. I love the song. I just, I, I'm, you're absolutely right. It does stick out. It's probably my favorite on the album. But yeah. you're right. I didn't really realize why. But let's let's listen so, to so. Awaken is this the my opening? love. All this right. is the opening track. All right, let's listen to it and the, see what our thoughts now, are. Now, the, the one thing to, to keep in mind for Childish Gambino, he this album was a huge switch for him because he was hip hop oh, for a yeah. long time. I love his old stuff. And it's great. It's mm-hmm. great stuff. It's good. You know, it's you know, it's it does its job. But like this went in a completely left turn. This is neo funk. This is Sly and the Family Stone mm-hmm. inspired, almost 100. percent So me and your mama. It's about a six-minute tune, but we're just going to go listen we'll through listen it because it changes. And if, and if you want to pause this podcast and listen to it as well, that's what we're doing right now. So let's go. Dang. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, like, so if you want to go listen to that, I mean, like, the song has so many changes in it. Yeah. But, like, the, I think that's something that's so missed these days is that the song takes you on this journey mm-hmm. of, of, like, the, in, in the chorus where he's, let me in to your heart. Well, he's asking. The listener is to let this new phase into their heart, like let the, <laughs> let this music into you. Mm-hmm. And not only, you know, earlier I was saying like this, the concept of this album is, um, at least to my understanding, it, it's to it, to make the listener understand what it's like to be a black person in America. That hmm. phrase, "Let me into your heart," "Let me into your heart," like that's not only just like a cool line, but it's a it's a it's a call. For understanding, it's a call for yeah. communities. Come up, call for bonding hmm. more than anything. And then just like the it breakdown, goes very deep. It goes real mm-hmm. deep. It goes real deep. And it, the coolest thing about it, the cool things about it, are that one he quotes Outcast and I believe Sam Cooke in the same line though, because you know the part where he goes, <laughs> "Girl, you really gotta hold on me." So this isn't just puppy love. So you really gotta hold on, really gotta hold <laughs> yeah. on me. And then in Miss Jackson, um, uh, 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 sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh, um, and ten times out of nine, if I'm lying fine, the, the king and queen, the puppy love dream to do the dream, the uh, swing. Hope would you hold this league? No, it's uh, what song is it? The puppy love. Full. Uh, Miss Jackson, yeah. Uh, hope, uh, you say it's puppy love. We say it's full growl. Hope that he'll feel this. <laughs> so he's quoting So he's both. roping in. He's, he's roping like, in a lot. Yeah. Because he, he's, he's, he takes a lot of inspiration from the ATL, ATL area. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, well, he's from there, right? Yeah, he's from yeah. Atlanta. From a musical standpoint, there's 
it, it's amazing how it goes from like, you know, the song opens up, and I would encourage anybody listening to this podcast to go listen to at least the first thirty seconds of this because it'll hook you. But it opens up and it's very gospely. Uh-huh. It's very gospely and it's very simple. And there's not a lot going on, and it leaves so much space for you to kind of just like get in there. But then toward the end, like it's very. It reminds me of like a you know Gautier, the Australian yeah. artist. It reminds me of like a Gautier tune with it's got so many synths and pads happening that it's you know it it's a complete one eighty flip. Oh yeah. You know, and it doesn't happen abruptly. It kind of it flows very well from that open space to just a ton going on. Oh yeah. One of my one of my biggest goals in my musical career is to make an orchestral arrangement of this entire album because it would be it would be brilliant in, oh, an, in an orchestra setting. Absolutely. But I think for You need this, to collaborate with the guy I had on last week on this podcast. Who's that? Andrew. Andrew Sears. Andrew Sears. Uh, master of composition and composing. We should and do that, and we're going. To, we're going to be going to suicidal later. Yeah, after this yeah. Podcast. You need to hit him up. Um, yeah, I mean, like, just, just the innovativeness of this album is on unparalleled to what's coming out these days. And it's funny that you mentioned that gospel aspect because a lot of the new hip hop, a lot of the new uh, uh, urban music coming out, it has a very much gospel. Vibe too. I mean, look at Chance the Rapper. Oh, absolutely. Whole things all about. Yeah, absolutely. Gospel aspects, um, and you know, like finding faith in, in this in this hyper connected world. Um, that's you know, gospel can help. That definitely help you reach there. Yeah. Uh, See, but not all the guys are doing that. Not you know, all the guys. Not no. all those hip hop guys. Not all of them. But it's there. But I think that the ones that are in bringing it, you know, to the forefront in their music, definitely are. They're they're pushing things, you know. Mm-hmm. They're pushing things in a way that I, I like the direction they're going. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I think it's great. It's a it's a dope. I I recommend listening, just sitting down and listening to the whole album. And that I was you didn't hear it because the the song will be cut out. But in the in the after the the, the first breakdown, um, where it kind of goes into the blue, listen with your headphones because there's gonna be a part in there. And you have to, you, it's, it's one of those moments where, like, it's one of those things that you have to listen back and you hear something new. Mm-hmm. You'll hear in the background just, like, just some, a woman just going, Let me And you barely hear it, but it's there and it just, it elevates you even that, that much more. Yeah. Um, huh. The produ- I need, I need to go do more research into who played on this and the production on it, but, like, because like whoever did this, I want them to re- retract some of my songs with it. Because this is just brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's man, it's and like you listen to his older stuff, right? Yeah. Like I love the Bonfire album and everything, and like all of that stuff is great. But he's a different artist on this album, you know. He's obviously it's still childish, but like he's a he's a different artist. Is that totally different artist? You know, he does something really cool. I, I watched an interview on Colbert Report with uh, Donald Glover, who is Childish Gambino. If you don't know, um, he Stephen Colbert asks him, "So, what is what is what is Donald Glover? How does Donald Glover stare? Or how does how does how does Childish Gambino look? Like, how does he look at something?" Mm-hmm. And he did a comparison. It's like, all right, this is how Donald Glover would look at somebody. And he just kind of, you know, he, he goes down, comes back up and as himself. He kind of smirks and smiles. Yeah. And he's like, all right, this is Childish Gambino. He does his whole thing. And he puts his mask on and he comes up and it's slight, but it's there. And that's, you know, the early Childish Gambino with the hip hop, 
is cool, mm-hmm. but the one that comes up in the mask that on the show in Stephen Colbert's interview, that's who Donald Glover. That's that's who Childish Gambino is. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And you don't you can't understand it until you see his face. But um, have you heard him freestyle? Yes, it's incredible. Another thing that if you're listening to this, you need to do just type his name into YouTube and put freestyle after it because. Dude, the, the dude spits fire. Yeah, he's really like, good. If I can say that as a white guy, <laughs> he's great. He's great. All right, what you got? All right, I got, I got something. And this is um, an album I do not know much about because I literally found it yesterday. Well, yeah, yesterday night while driving. Um, Jimi Hendrix, Both Sides of the Sky. And we were talking about this a second ago. Um I'm doing a little reading as we're listening to this. This, um, it came from a vault. It's one of, it's the third album of vault releases. Really? Uh, never heard before tunes. Um, this, this, when did this come out? This came out... Like a week ago? On yeah, a week ago. the 8th of this month. Jeez, so how did I not hear about this? I didn't hear about it until last night, because I literally just, I was like, I need some Jimmy in my life right now. It's Friday night, I need some Jimmy. And, uh... I was like, what is that? Brand new. And so, yeah, I, I'm I'm reading here from the interwebs because, again, I, I know very little about this. I just know that it spoke to me last night while listening to it. Uh, oh, excuse me. It came out on the 9th, and it is 13 studio recordings made between 68 and 70, um, 10 I mean, of like, which have about, never before been released. Talk about the most important era of music history. Oh, my gosh, yeah. One of the most important eras. Absolutely. Well, and I'm... You know, I'm listening to this, and it's... Well, you know what? Let's listen to the song first. Let's do it, let's yeah. Do it. All right. Here we go. Uh, the Jimmy the album is Both Sides of the Sky by Jimi Hendrix. The song is Hear My Train A-Comin'. I would highly recommend you go listen to this now, because that's what we're doing. It's weird to hear the phrase, brand new Jimi Hendrix. It's very weird. Very weird. It's, it's new like old music. It is. It's like, it's like Yeah. Music from a dude who has since passed. It's crazy. But this is the song. I'd be interested to do... A, 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 a look into the relationship between trains and music in America. Because <laughs> okay. I hear my train coming is a line that's used a lot in music. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? But like in this song, he's, he's not just talking about leaving, he's not just talking about leaving like, like a place. He's talking about leaving like almost like this earth. Yeah. In, in, in a way. I got that same thing, which is weird because this is a song that came out after his death. Yeah. You know? So for him to talk about actually, you know, it, I'm glad you got that sense because I got that same thing. You got, you get the feeling of like, he's just gone. Like you, yeah. you, you can feel that coming through in the song. And he also, he had, he had, he, and when you listen to these tunes, like nowadays there's people who shred like cheddar all day, every day, but like... <laughs> wait, 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 Shred Like Cheddar. Shred Like Cheddar. I've never heard that, but I love it. Um, the, uh, you had to put yourself in the mindset of the people who would be listening to this. Yeah. Uh, you know, our parents, um, you know, my, my grand, or probably our grandparents even, um, you know, they, my, my mother graduated out of college, uh, in, uh, 82, and you say, so, like, 12 years before this, now she was, like, nine, ten years old before she would have heard Jimi Hendrix. And to hear this use of 
electrical effects on a guitar mm -hmm. was absolutely groundbreaking. Oh, it was revolutionary. It was groundbreaking. The opening everything, solo in that song, that fuzz on that, oh, it's dirty. Everything from Jimi Hendrix on to uh, on has influenced. Jimi Hendrix has influenced almost every single lead guitar player that's ever been. Oh, absolutely. Now, yeah. And will forever. Absolutely. Forever. Forever. Yeah. Honestly, forever. Um, well, and like, and that's interesting you say that because like you listen to him rip a solo and I mean, or even just play and there's a couple things that I immediately think of and that's like, the first being that like, I'm going to throw it out there, it's sloppy. Oh, yeah. But it fits, you know, like he's not always in time. He doesn't, I, I'm, he doesn't always know where he's going in a recording that he did in a studio. You can tell he doesn't always know where he's going and he's making it up on the spot. But you know what? Man, it works. It's sloppy and loose. And honestly, he is not, I'm, if I have anyone who is like a diehard Jimi Hendrix fan listening to this, I don't think I do, but if, not yet, not yet. but like, he's not doing anything that is mind blowing when it comes to guitar technique. What he's doing is using, at the time, revolutionary technology to do something different and just feel it. Mm -hmm. And he didn't care, mm -hmm. you know? And that's the biggest thing when it comes to Jamie Hendricks, because, like, no one, everyone can, like I said, like, everyone's going to be inspired, every elite guitar player is going to be, even, you know, even I am going to be inspired by Jamie Hendricks playing just in sheer awe. Yeah. But the... He's even in the part when you said like he sounds really dirty. Mm -hmm. He was coming through that. Oh yeah. He was using the tools around him and the passion behind the music to make me say like, man, this is Hendrix. This is Jimmy. Oh, absolutely. This is fucking Jimmy. Well, and it, it's amazing because he he can you know throw so many effects and everything and just really make the track sound. You know, there was three instruments on that track. Yeah. There's a guitar, a bass, and a drum. And you but... heart. I almost said, like, you don't need the bass player even. Because no, he's, really, he's yeah. bringing out so much energy that, like. Yeah. And what's amazing man. is, like, it gets so filthy and, like, raunchy with, like, the effects that he's throwing on there and everything. But at the same time, you can hear every note he plays. Uh -huh. you know, there's, yeah. like a, there's, like, a certain clarity yep. to his muddiness. Yeah. He's got he's got these those pedals tuned in such a way or toned and synced up in such a way where mm -hmm. his individual notes come through. But the power also comes behind it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, later on in that song when it dies down, mm -hmm. that's where you hear his technical side. That's where you hear, yeah, oh, wait, this guy's yeah. actually a good guitar player. Yeah, like you can oh. definitely tell, like, all right, now he's kind of roped it in. He's got a better image of what's going on. But, like, when it gets big and full, you can tell he's making it up. Uh -huh. And I love that, yeah. you know? It's, I, it's just like, man, some it, it, studio time back then was just kind of a make-or-break thing. And it I was go think, in, do a bunch of drugs, and see what happens. See what happens, and that's kind of that's what you get from the vibe yeah. from this song. Absolutely. I, mean, I hear him trying to come in, and he just goes from there. Yeah. And just, and the lyrics in this song, from a songwriting standpoint, are nothing revolutionary. No. They're not poetry like you get from some of the other amazing songwriters from this era, but. They tell an amazing story. It's not about the, the in this type kind of song. It's not about a linear storyline. It's yeah. about a feeling. Exactly. And that's what Jimmy Hendrix is the best so well. about getting across, is a feeling. Like, you know, his, 
his cover of Bob Dylan's, you know. All along the Watchtower. Yeah. Like, that song doesn't really have a linear, linear storyline. Like, it kind of does. There's this mystical land where there's yeah. thieves and but whatever. But it gets the point across. But there's a feeling of it, of, of just, like, intensity, yeah. of, of, uh, of um, a feeling of, uh, what's that? feeling of, uh, or a sense of urgency yeah. in that song that everyone can relate to. So that's, he, and he's not much of a singer. He's really? Not, no, no. So it, so his, his the way he stuck out was through his effects and his way to invoke a feeling through a song. Mm-hmm. And to do a shit ton of acid. And this song definitely... <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, this song definitely brought forth... <laughs> that ability <laughs> is almost second to none. Um, <laughs> His dude, ability to do acid dude. is... Dude. <laughs> I'm going to wait for this fire truck to be passed. That's all right. That's all right. But... His ability to do acid is second, second to none. But... He was young when he died, right? He was like 27. 27 club. Yeah. 27 club, man. But what's... This song really brings forth more of his blues aspect. Yeah. You know, like, you can tell, like, yeah, this is a rock song, but, like, this is less of a rock song, like... And he's a rock and roll dude. Yeah. But this song, you can hear the blues... Oh, yeah. ...that he's bringing out. I mean, it's, it's all blues structure. And it doesn't change the chordal center. Or, what... was it? Is thing a G, maybe? Uh, I have no clue. I can't figure that stuff out. D. So it stays over D D dominant D dominant seven the entire time. time. Yeah. It doesn't change, and like, and he can just riff, and that's 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 his that's his parameter to work within. Yeah. Um, they don't change tonal center, and they just keep the feeling across. You know. Yeah. And that's. That's the thing when I'm going into a lot of rights myself. When I'm going with someone I might not be writing with, or I have don't know who I, right, I'm not familiar with writing with them. I think these days we, we as young songwriters, we want to get the point of the song across. Absolutely. And I think we miss, we we we, we misinterpret that as saying, okay, so we have to say everything about the feeling of the song. We have to say we have to say everything. Hmm, good point. No. Good point. All you need to do is convey the feeling of the song. In the best way possible. Mm-hmm. For Jimmy, that was like just say what you need to say and then play it so that everyone feels it. Good you know? point. Because I mean, keeping like, it really simple. Oh, absolutely. And you know, the, and and that's and that's and you're saying and you're saying the blues influence on Jimi Hendrix. I mean, this whole era of the '60s, '69 uh, onwards and before, like the Beatles, Rolling Stones, the Who, all these huge acts that were becoming big. Eric Clapton. CCR, they were all inspired by the blues legends that came up in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Like they were, st- these legends were still alive. Oh yeah, BB King, Albert King. Yep. Like e- even like like some lead like Lead Belly was technically still alive. Like these people <laughs> wow. were still influencing these old raggedy blind men blues players. Just ripping it. Just ripping it. I mean, one of the, one of the coolest contrasts. Then we're gonna do we're gonna shift a gear a little bit. Um, Bo Diddley, you know Bo Diddley. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yep. That that guitar rhythm is his. Mm-hmm. Um, that is in "Shoot to Thrill." Yeah. Which is translated in an '80s rock band, you know, like that's in the '80s '70s rock band. I've never noticed but, that, but you're right. You're totally right. 
and, well, and, you, and you play that little Bo Diddley like rhythm and you can immediately like um, play it again. Uh, play it again. So I'm going to do a C. Yeah. Yeah. With George Michael. Yep. Yeah. There's so many songs that come to mind. I got a hip. Yeah. But so. Immediately, so many songs come to mind. I mean, the point is that blues music. And Jimi Hendrix, like I think, in the in that era, Jimi Hendrix was just definitely innovating in a new way for blues music. Absolutely, and it was just called rock and roll, man. I mean, that's, absolutely, yeah. That's blues and jazz and Bob Dylan have a lot to contribute to the way uh, American music was shaped in the '60s and from the beginning and from the 60s and Jimi Hendrix is was just one of the greatest vessels to mm-hmm. bring that music forward. And I'm going to go I'm going to go on record and say we will never have another guitar player equivalent to Jimi Hendrix. And here's the reason no, why. Absolutely. His his technique although he knew what he was doing it was very simplistic. What made him different was his use of at the time modern day technology to do something that nobody else was doing. And unfortunately until some weird piece of technology for guitar comes out again, like we're not going to have another guitar playing Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. We might have that same kind of thing in a producer standpoint, um, just because of. Oh yeah, I got that. Just because of um, you know where we're at with technology in the music industry, but we'll never have another guitar player. No, that is the equivalent. No, and which is kind of a bummer. But well, honestly, I'm fine with it. You got to. I mean, it, it it comes into a lot of variables with the, with that with that. Because one thing you also have to think about is that back in those days, like the the hyper connectivity of our world today was not there. Like they had phones and letter sending. Yeah. And like some television. Yeah. That was it. And there was no instant communication. There was no instant messaging. Yeah. Messaging. So there was no distraction that would draw you away from practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, there, and so that enabled a lot of the artists to really focus in on their craft because that's what they did. They woke up and they played guitar because that's what was around. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know that that's what helped Jimi Hendrix. Uh, become so good because he, he was able to be so focused on this, and they also have to look at it as an industry, industry standpoint. Guitar sales and manufacturing in 2018 are they're plummeting. It's, yeah, Gibson is going under. They're going under. It's a, it's it's just it's unfortunately a market that's going to be gone in a couple of years. And I don't know if gone is think, the yeah, correct I word. I shouldn't say gone because they said depleted. radio was going to be gone. Yeah, radio killed. The well, TV. radio is slowly just. It's fading away, but it's, there's there's still a use for it. But like, I mean, with the with the electronic elements, with the MIDI elements these days, and how easy it is to use it, I mean, like, that's where the innovation is coming through, man. Yeah. And oh, absolutely. No, I don't. Yeah, we're not going to have another guitar guitar player like Jimi Hendrix. But that's also the thing is because like you know we we idolize I, I idolize like I want to be fucking Paul Simon, but I'm not Paul Simon, and that's yeah. okay. Like, well, just I had an episode person. of this podcast with James where we talked about how. You're always going to fall short of the people you're trying to be, but that's good because you end up being the modern day version of that with your own influence. Exactly. You know? I completely so, agree with that. But no, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. Well, here's a complete flip of that. How many people, and you said something, you know, five minutes ago that was interesting. How many people realize that All Along the Watchtower is a cover song? Not a lot. 
But I don't think it really matters. I don't think so either, but it's interesting because I'm willing to bet that if you ask ten people, nine out of the ten of them would say that that's a Jimi Hendrix song. Mm-hmm. You know? And you know what? Man, th- th- this might be a good transition. Because the next song... Right, let's do... Let's go into some... Yeah, Bob, let's do another song. Let's go into Bob Dylan because... Ooh, yes. There's a... Um, that's that's the biggest thing about Bob Dylan, man. His man, like, what would be a great example? Um, Bob Dylan. Since we got in the Bob Dylan and Jimi Hendrix were very good friends. Mm-hmm. They respected each other's craft immensely because I mean they were just they were they were groundbreaking in the, in the, during the time. You think they knew that? No. To Bob Dylan didn't want to be groundbreaking at mm-hmm. all. Maybe that was a facade he put on, but I honestly think he did. He doesn't. He still today doesn't want to be a big thing. Interesting. But he is. Interesting. He's huge. Did you, you, did you oh, see his? Did you see? Did you see the report about him uh, going to accept his Nobel uh, Nobel award? I thought he didn't accept it. No, he did. Oh, really? Okay. But he went to accept it in a black hoodie and black yeah. jeans, and the hoodie was on. Like, yeah. Over him. He oh, didn't want geez. anybody to see he was going in to get it. Yeah. He, he just wants to do his own thing, and he's just kind of fallen into it. Um, because these guys were big, but man, they just left a legacy. They've left a huge legacy. Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, All right, so what, what we got? What's the give? Uh, so obviously, artist Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. Uh, album and song title. Let's see. Let's do. Let's do. Uh, let's do this one, because I'm gonna do. I'm gonna play this song. Uh, it's Maggie's Farm by Bob Dylan. I'm gonna play this one for a little bit, and then I'm gonna switch it. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a, a, a modern day rendition of it. Okay. So okay. check it out. So Maggie's Farm, Bob Dylan. If you're playing along with this podcast, yeah, Maggie's Farm, Bob Dylan. Let's listen. Actually, before I play this, I gotta you you gotta you have to understand the concept, uh, the 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 uh, the place in life Bob Dylan was at. So Bob Dylan for for the longest time was Woody Guthrie's like prodigy, like the protege, hmm. like this was the upcoming folk singer songwriter, blown in the wind, you know that's that was the thing. Yeah. Uh, Newport Folk Festival, um, he comes out with uh, Bob's Bob uh, Bob uh, not Seeger, Bob um, oh shit. Anyways, one of the Bobs. He's 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 introduced. As is like he's yours. This is Bob Bob Dylan, and everybody's expecting him to play an acoustic set and be the Bob Dylan everybody mm-hmm. knows. But he comes out electric. He comes out electric with electric guitars and a full band, and people hiss. That half the people are, are hissing and booing, and the other half are cheering. And that's and that's that's the epitome of art. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's like what art is all about. So it's innovating. And the song Maggie's Farm is basically telling off. People who are who are wanting him to be what he was going to be. So listen to the lyrics very intently because he's telling that this is what he's trying to invoke in the song. All right. Uh, this is from "Bringing It All Back Home," Bob Dylan. Check it out. So that's Maggie's Farm, Bob Dylan. All right. Oh, First off, I I just have one thing to say. Huh. Anyone who ever wants to write songs, if anyone ever tells you. You can't sing. Just play them a Bob Dylan song. Absolutely. Because <laughs> holy shit. That's like, it. And you know what? Great, great, amazing. Like, in modern day times, he would have never been an artist. No. He would have sold his songs. Yeah. But, because uh, he's not. He's a horrible singer. You gotta, but uh, 
let's let's just look at the con contemporary aspects of that song. One chord, blues structure. What mm -hmm. did we just listen to? Jimi Hendrix, one chord, one blues, chord structure. blues structure. Yep. Yep. And there's the same contemporary time structure. Like that's blues influence invading popular. Oh, culture. absolutely. But like this in such a it's such a different to such a different context. Now, before we continue to talk about Bob Dylan, let me t let me show you Rage Against the Machines cover of Ain't Gonna Work on Maggie's Farm again. Alright. And like, so those following along, we just listened, and I encourage you to do the same to the cover of Ain't Gonna Work on Maggie's Farm. So first, first, listen, Rage Against the Machine. First, listen to Bob Dylan's Maggie's Farm, mm -hmm. then Rage Against the Machine's Maggie's Farm. Um, Can I just say that this is the perfect song for bands to cover because Bob Dylan's version is so simplistic that it gives bands like Rage Against the Machine such an ability to put their own twist and their own version on it. Yeah. You know? I argue that Bob Dylan is American Shakespeare because I'd agree. Shakespeare in, in theater con context is is historically interpreted mm -hmm. to the time frame and Bob Dylan songs are almost that same way. Like I have a cover of Bob Dylan's um, uh, Highway 61 mm -hmm. where it's just or uh, it's just, God said, Abraham, kill me, son. Abe said, man, you must have put me on. God said, no. Abe said, what? God said, you can do whatever, Abe, but uh, next time you see me coming, you better run. He said, oh, where you want all this? Killing to be done. Said, down there on Highway 61. Mm. Yeah, and like, that's why it's so adaptable. You can bring yeah. it to your own style. You can really just do your own thing with it. And like, man, and that just shows you how much influence Bob Dylan had in the growth of American music. And people don't even realize it. No. I mean, even downtown on Broadway today, Wagon Wheel will be played at least 100 times. Oh, yeah. At least 100 times. And that's a Bob Dylan song. People okay. don't realize that, but that's not, not a lot of people realize that. But I thought it was Wheel, an old Crow Medicine show song. They took the lyrics from Bob Dylan. Really? Yeah. See, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Bob Dylan wrote that song. Huh. Yeah. How many songs has he written that we don't even realize are his? Uh, well, all, I mean, like, all on Watchtower. Yep, earlier. I mean, that one I knew. Wagon Wheel. Didn't know that one. Um, the, you know, the basement tapes? The new basement yeah. tapes? Yeah. That whole album, or Bob Dylan lyrics. Really? Yeah. They went, that's why they're called the new basement tapes, because he originally did the basement tapes with the band, you know, the band, yeah. the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a whole new other thing. This is the new basement tapes because they took Bob Dylan lyrics and reinterpreted them uh, in a modern day context, and it works. You know, when I get my, when I get my hands on you, wanna make you marry me? It's Bob Dylan, and that's and that's the shit he wrote. Yeah, that's the shit. <laughs> These are the scraps <laughs> of Bob Dylan. That was left on the cutting floor. Right. Yeah. It was in his basement. Oh, that's ridiculous. Um. I mean, I mean, Bob Dylan was the one that went up to the Beatles and changed their whole outlook on music and life. Oh yeah, no, that introduced them to marijuana. Yeah. Yep. Um, Bob we Dylan. We wouldn't have the late. I mean, like, all right, one of my favorite Beatles albums, uh -huh. Sergeant uh, Pepper. Yeah. We wouldn't have that album. We wouldn't have an album if, if not for Bob Dylan. Not for Bob Dylan influencing John Lennon. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, not even influencing him. If not for him giving him drugs. Yeah. Let's be honest. That's a, that's an influence. <laughs> that's an influence. I guess so. But yeah. uh. Yeah. I mean, even look, even into the psychedelic movement with Jimi Hendrix. I mean, he was a lead into that. Um, oh, absolutely. He, he he branched into the gospel realm. He did a whole yeah. evangelical 
Thing, which was a brilliant, brilliant it's, album. It's, but a little oh, weird, but man. still brilliant. And it's and, true. He is he is definitely America's America's uh, Shakespeare. One of the most important people in American culture, I think, because he was able to bridge the gap between so many mm-hmm. uh, genres. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he still does. And people do his songs, and people don't even realize it. They'll adapt them. Maggie's Farm. They'll do Blowing in the Wind. They'll do uh, you know, along the Lost Tower. Do you think subconsciously he was writing his songs in a way that allowed them to be covered and taken in unique ways? No. Or do you think that because like, obviously like I don't know enough about him to know what his musical background is, but like. Everything he wrote was so simplistic that you can you as an artist from I wouldn't say I wouldn't say everything he wrote. Well, not everything, but like I mean, obviously he has songs that people don't even realize are his. Mm-hmm. So do you think that on some level he might have subconsciously written them simplistically in a way in the same way that a modern day artist like your or a modern day songwriter like yourself might write a song in a simpler way just so that other people can take it and run with it in their own way? I don't think anybody does that from the get-go. Really? No. I mean, I could definitely see my songs being taken. And now now written, I can see them being taken and mm-hmm. cast in a new way. Heck, I do that every time. I go walk into the stage. Like, what, how can I do this song differently? Yeah. But Bob Dylan was writing songs for the time, right? Mm-hmm. He was writing period pieces. Well, there's no denying that. No. But he, I don't... Because he didn't know who was going to be the new thing ten years down the road. Um, so you wouldn't argue that that's why he kept things simple? I think that I think, if, if I were to make an argument... I, I, but I, I had to, Some of his songs were very simple, but the lyrical content of them are very complicated. Mm-hmm. And that's kind oh, of... Absolutely. And that was the allure of Bob Dylan because he was saying so much that people were wanting to dissect his brain and ask him, like, so what do you think about like this? And he, he just kind of goes, I don't know. Like, yeah. I just wrote it. <laughs> hmm. Um, hmm. Interesting. Uh, I think because... I think... He leaves the, the music leaves itself open to an interpretation. I don't think he expected it at all. I think mm. I, I think I think he wants people have, to have nothing to do with his music. Honestly. Really? No. Huh. Oh my god. If, if you if you go back and watch the interviews of them, like on news channels, people asking him, he's like, "Yeah, I got famous, but so what? Like, what are you all like? What are you all going off the head like off the hinges about? Like, I'm just okay. This is a moment. Like, it happened, and it's yeah. whatever. Like, he's just I, doing his thing. He go away. <laughs> like, yeah. he literally wants them to go away. Huh. Um, interesting. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could. I mean, we could do a three-hour podcast on. May time. I? May I, May I introduce one more song? Yeah. Because if do we're talking, if we're talking about Bob Dylan, let's do. We have time for one more. Yeah. Let's do so. Uh, Dawes, the new. The, All right, we're going one eighty. What? Dawes is very much inspired by Bob Dylan because. Uh, oh shit! Who's the lead singer in Dawes? I don't know enough about uh, them at uh, all. We're gonna, we're gonna edit this out. Hopefully, <laughs> we're gonna do a quick Bing, Bing search. Members in Dawes. Um, Taylor Goldsmith, the lead. Um, the he's the singer, guitar player, songwriter for the band Dawes. Okay. He was one of the members in the new basement tapes. Okay. So he uh uh he so he, he was he was a part of that, so taking apart Bob Dylan lyrics. And I had to think, if we're talking about songwriting in the modern era, Taylor Goldsmith is one of the best songwriters 
of our day and age. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I would say, even better than Bob Dylan, in in in, in context, because his songs are so relatable yet complex. Um, and I'm going to play this one song. Um, we're going to do uh, A Little Bit of Everything by okay. Dawes. Okay. Now, this song, if you don't find some piece of yourself in this song, I we need you need to... What album is it on? It's on... Uh, it is on... Is it on All Your Favorite Bands? Um, no, it's on... Uh, what's, what's, what's the album? It is on the album. It's on the album. It's the last track on Nothing Is Wrong. So Dawes' last track on Nothing Is Wrong. Uh, uh, a little bit of everything. So here it goes. Just listen to every word. That was the most powerful song we've listened to today. Yeah, I mean, and that guy has been inspired by Bob Dylan, Jackson Brown, that... Eagles, some of the best songwriters in the entire the history of America. The the literal just black and white here it is of that song. Yeah. And and you know what? The when you hear that line in the first verse or or in the first chorus mm-hmm. when the dot when the guy's uh it's a little bit of everything. It's the mountains, it's the fog, it's the news at six o'clock, it's the death of my first dog. Mm. Somehow that line, it's the death of my first dog, hits Everyone. Oh well, yeah. Everyone, because it's, it's something everyone can it's relate a, to. Yeah. Mm. We don't even but think the, just, about it's the literal context of like. I mean, when he's singing about you know, you just let me you just worry about your shirt size and I'll take care of the rest. Like yeah. when he's talking about the wedding. Like yeah. oh man, it's just he gets so just plain and black and white. He doesn't try to disguise it or no. make metaphors. He's just saying what it is. Oh, and it paints the picture. Perfect. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this guy takes you, and this guy takes you on one, two, three, three different storylines of the same song. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. sums them up, like, but well, makes them all relate like they're one continuous thing. Mm-hmm. I, that's all I gotta say is if you don't listen to anything else we talk about in this podcast, go look up this song. Tim, give us the title. A uh, little bit of everything. A little bit of everything by Dawes. Nothing is wrong by Dawes came out in 2011, I believe. Yeah. If you don't uh, listen to anything else from this podcast, if you don't even listen to this, I hope you get to this point in the podcast because if not, you're missing the best song. But that was, that was great. I mean, like if I can ever write a song like that in my lifetime, I'd be. Very oh happy. man, yeah. Very, very, very happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Taylor Goldsmith wrote that with the band Dawes. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a banger, man. And well, it just hits yeah, you right. I can't right. say enough about that. That was, that was strong, but, but we're going to call it there because I feel like that's a really solid place to end it's, it. And we're running out of really time. Hot out here, yep, it's getting much. hot out here. But, um, I'm jeans and it's full and a, and a, and a collared shirt. Yeah. you got to be warm, but thank you for listening. Um, uh, Tim, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, Tim, t- uh, Timothy miles with a Y. So Timothy Miles six one five. That is my Instagram handle. Yes, and I will tag on you on Instagram. Find me on Facebook. Uh, find me on YouTube. That's primarily where I reside in the, in the Twitter spheres. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Mitchell. Absolutely, absolutely. And I've decided right now I'm gonna make a playlist of the songs that we listen to. So if you're listening to this podcast, the playlist is up on my Spotify, and I will post it on my Instagram story, so you can go check it out. All right. That you're gonna help me make that. Uh, yes, absolutely. Cool. We're gonna throw we're gonna throw some Jimmy. We're gonna throw some Bob. We'll throw what we listen to, and we'll throw some other tunes some in there. Some influences well. around. Yeah, absolutely, that realm. absolutely. So, yep. cool. Well, thank you for listening, and uh, 
Happy Monday. Happy, happy St. Patty's Day.